0: shine runners welcome to the shine runner show quenching your marketing distribution sales and experiential event thirst for more horsepower on the craft beer cider spirits and winery industry my name is mark colburn and i'll be your crew chief today's episode 2020 trends to prepare for Our program's goal is to give you some real-life marketing distribution, experiential event, and sales experiences from a guy who's been in the craft beer spirits and cider biz for over 25 years. The objective of this program will be to help you better understand marketing's role, priority, and importance in the marketplace and how it can build your brand. Please send Shine Runner episode questions or comments to shinerunner at thebrewingnetwork.com. So a little recap from episode number 22, which was tips for the supplier sales rep. From my years of experience, I've found that if an account never sees you after you make the sale, it will quickly replace your brand for something else. Remember to set a weekly goal to establish at least 10 new relationships. Your success is dependent upon relationship cultivation. The more relationships you have, the more value you will possess in the industry and to your employer. Think of each relationship as a stock investment. Every time you communicate or interact with the stock, its value increases. Be tenacious, creative, persuasive. These are three key traits of a successful salesperson. Be the linebacker, not the cheerleader. Lead by example. Remember to never take credit in a wholesaler, sales, or ABP meeting. Uh, Always give the attaboy to the wholesaler salesperson, even if you did all the work. Make it your routine to observe and inspect an account before you begin your pitch. Search for personal rapport tangibles to build a relationship upon. I recently got an email from a buddy of mine in New York who took this advice. He ended up getting the business after talking hockey with the buyer for a half hour. He noticed hockey pictures on the wall, which he used to jumpstart the conversation. And lastly, always leave an account in better brand shape than when you arrived. This means checking your codes, freshening the point of sale, asking for additional real estate, and facing up your SKUs. So let's get into episode number 23, what I call 2020, Trends to Prepare For. So I've looked into my crystal fermenter and have seen some trends that I feel will impact all of you in 2020 and beyond. Let's dig into these and think about how they will affect your business. Let's look at some key trends that come in. The distribution option pool is getting more shallow by the minute. We've touched on this trend in earlier podcasts. However, wholesaler consolidation is now taking place at a fever pitch rate. Although you may feel comfy with your current distribution footprint, you need to think about this alarming trend. Here's why. As wholesalers continue to gobble up each other, they are quietly changing their business models. I've been studying these wholesaler mergers. This includes beer, wine, and spirits, and talking to a variety of people who work within the beer, spirits, and wine industry. What I've learned is wholesalers are downsizing their sales force in favor of more merchandisers while trimming sales management and marketing positions. Why are they doing this? Well, to save money and help pay for those expensive buyouts. It also signals a change in how distributors plan to go to market. With more merchandisers, the wholesaler has more restocking power in the chains. That is, bringing up backstock to the shelves, more rapid replenishment of their preferred brands. You might be thinking, hey, Mark, I already knew this. But how does this impact you? Let's slow down a bit. Should you be concerned? I think so. If your wholesaler is reducing their sales force in favor of merchandising, then you'll want to reevaluate your sales plan incentive programs and spend. Some big wholesalers are taking steps to eliminate street-level sales incentives in favor of bonusing middle and senior management. If your distributor has reduced their street-level sales staff and cut sales programming in favor of senior management, then I recommend shifting your budget towards the wholesaler merchandiser team. You may even find that some of these people were your wholesaler sales reps. If the wholesaler prohibits merchandiser incentive programs, then I suggest that your sales team enact a merchandiser-specific gift card program communicated to individual merchandisers while in the field. And be sure to buy the gift cards from an on-premise buying account or a non-buy that you're currently working on. This program should remain confidential, but is needed particularly for the small to medium brands that will continually get less attention in 2020. If I were you, I would compensate those that regularly touch my product and place it on the shelf or the draft handle. If you're reluctant to devise a merchandiser gift card program, then have your reps buy them lunch and don't forget to give them samples and throw in a cool wearable. Tactics like these are needed because if your brand remains in backstock. At the chains, it will come up on the store buyer's inventory UPC scanning gun as a slow mover and be a strong candidate for the next disco reset. Once you're out of a big chain, the wholesaler will have little need for your brand. And it won't be long before it just sits on pallets in a warehouse getting dusty, broken, and out of code. Another trend is, hiring, is the hiring of Supplier-paid, part-time merchandisers. This is an expensive tactic, but one that I would research along with third-party merchandising options. I've met some part-time merchandisers and watched them in the field. I I find that their accountability is lax. I suggest training these people to engage with shoppers so that they can impart your marketing story. Have them make eye contact. Just a few salient comments can go a long way towards purchase. They should also have pre-account objectives and a format or routine on how to merchandise the account. I suggest that they take a picture of the shelf when they arrive and when they leave to show that they have brought up backstock. They should also take a picture of your store backstock upon arrival. This will provide you with valuable distributor feedback. If, for example, there is none and it's a summer weekend, July 4th, you are going to miss sales due to poor ordering by the wholesaler chain sales person. You can use these pictures in an ABP or business review meeting to make an important point for your brand. Some suppliers are now requiring their sales reps to merchandise on weekends. I do not recommend this tactic, which takes them off their account call routine and will most likely lead to rep turnover due to burnout. I'm also hearing that some wholesalers plan to drop small to medium brands, seeing them as an annoyance and something they are unwilling to spend labor resources on to champion. Even worse, one senior executive shared that large supermarket retailers are not seeing suppliers. That is, taking appointments preferring to meet with their distributor partners. Now, I can't believe that this is a national trend, but if it expands, it emboldens the wholesaler's power over suppliers and the shelf space imperative for brand survival. These tactics paved the way for online ordering. Keep a close eye on your wholesaler's website as they expand this low-cost ordering option. Now, with fewer sales reps, the mega-distributors will focus their remaining sales efforts on just the largest volume and revenue-producing brands. I also predict fewer on- and off-premise account calls made by the wholesaler due to the downsizing and merger frenzy. This places the face-to-face presentation onus completely on the supplier, possibly for all your accounts. So, do you have a backup plan if any of this happens Looks like my castle keep strategy discussed in my book is all the more relevant. So how might companies react to these trends if, in fact, they, they uh, become reality in 2020 and beyond? Be sure to watch for an explosion in third-party merchandising and demo companies. We've already seen this in draft line cleanings uh, as wholesalers opt out of this expensive service. What I'm seeing is large suppliers with big budgets – are now putting the gas down on merchandising and investing heavily in wet demo agency samplings. These wet demos work. Consumers remember tasting the brands and return to buy them. Although expensive, this is a must-marketing mix strategy to combat these trends we're discussing today. These third-party demo agencies are... So, so in executional performance, but certainly have a place in generating trial and building brand awareness. I've run massive demo programs, over 700 plus in a weekend, in the supermarket channel and learned a great deal from this experience. Here are some of my observations. The mega brand companies eye demos as a marketing mix commodity to be negotiated. This PL driven, brand management attitude is where they fail their demo waves serve to clog the market so be sure to schedule your events on alternate dates with your agency but let's talk about the those big those big guys the chink in the big brand armor was that their brand teams were too lazy to educate and train the samplers on the sponsoring brands I found this to be true today as Goliath alcohol producers rely on the demonstrators downloading of branded point of sale materials and then printing such on their home computers to take to the account. I also learned that when demos are treated as a sterile marketing mix commodity, the human element is stripped from the equation and noticeable to the demonstrator. Recall my mantra. People sell for people and brands that they like. This presents significant opportunity for you. When I was a brand manager, I took the time to educate every demonstrator that touched our product. More importantly, I treated them like people. I studied many samplers prior to launching our demo campaign and learned that they hated to be treated like a commodity. The more sterile the sponsor, the less effort the demonstrator exhibited. Conversely, when I incorporated human uh, uh, humor, a personal touch, a history on our company, an incentive, a free sample, a comprehensive demo kit, and treated them like a team member, the results were stratospheric, kind of like comparison, uh, comparing a, a big block 427 AC Cobra to a, a lawnmower. With today's impressive technology, there is no excuse not to have the best trained demonstrators in the country. It does take time, creativity, and some money. Given the investment, your team must personally train anyone who presents or touches your brand. That marketing story must be consistent and communicated frequently. You'll also be far more successful if you funkifies your wet demo program be sure to follow up with a supermarket buyer and your wholesaler executive team sharing post-demo success stories by store. This will keep your brand on the prime time radar. Get some consumer quotes from your demo team and pics of happy customers. These will enhance your chain buyer and wholesaler presentations substantially. Ring the most out of this marketing investment. And yet, Another trend to be wary of. The wine industry has moved their high-horsepower brands into cans. These cans are incremental to their bottles and are taking space from the beer set. Even worse for the beer guys is the trend towards chilled wines. Large retailers are training their wine customers to purchase wine, rosé, whites, chardonnays, sauvignon blancs, and champagne from the cold case. With each reset, more space is devoted to bottled, boxed, canned, and chilled wines. There are even 175-milliliter versions of many champagnes, rosés, sauvignon blancs, chardonnays being introduced that are placed into the chilled section. This further takes space from all beer, cider, FMBs, kombuchas, and others. I would watch for spirits to come after some of this cold space as well. So what do you do if your beloved hazy IPA gets banished to the far right of the craft beer set next door to the wine? I've seen this happen and call this real estate the brand morgue. Believe me, you don't want to be there. The way to win is by bringing your best products, getting them merchandised from backstock, that is, onto the shelf, and generating brand trial and awareness via wet demos and experiential event participation. One promotional strategy I've noticed with some wine brands is to promote wine judging point values at retail in the large supermarket chains. This is accomplished via a color callout which is attached to the brand's price shelf strip printed by the chain. This promotional point-of-sale tool is a revenue generator for the chains. However, Due to the intimidating bevy of wine options, there is a significant demographic that buys solely upon high-scoring, wine-spectator-like numerical endorsements. What I've not seen is craft beer adopting a similar strategy, which could include rate beer ratings promoted on the actual supermarket-generated pricing shelf strip. This simple call-out will differentiate your brand from the daunting array of shelf options. I make it my business to interact with consumers at the point of purchase and find that consumers are overwhelmed by choice and yearn for something to assist or simplify their purchase decision process. Think, market, and merchandise as though you are not in the alcohol business. This will promote creative ideas. Another concerning trend for the beer industry is supermarket volume discounts on mix-and-match wine and spirit purchases. When you think about all the new wine SKUs and packages coming, there is cause for concern when a volume discount, for example, buy six, mix-and-match, and and get 10% off your entire purchase, is offered. This extra 10% off generates impressive supermarket volume while it wins the share of stomach battle for wines and spirits over beer, cider, FMBs, and hard kombuchas. The beer industry needs to address this face-on with some creative tactics or suffer further market share losses to wine and spirits. Let's look at a recap of episode number 23. We definitely shifted through all the gears today. The wholesaler pool is evaporating rapidly. Be sure to review your contracts and know the details in and out. Get on your wholesaler's calendar for a regular trimester business review. Get your best team presenter in front of the distributor's force Friday meeting. Be sure they have something newsworthy to present, but you must keep your brand top of mind. If your wholesaler is changing the way they run incentives – then look at changing yours. Perhaps it's time to shift money to the merchandisers. Considering hiring a third-party merchandising company, but require pre- and post-account photos and backstock pictures. Be sure to train these people on how you want the brand to look at retail. To maintain or increase your weekly rate of sale in your chains, look to appoint a wet demo agency. Train these people on your brands and treat them like a valuable Team member. I can't overemphasize the need for supermarket sampling, weekend event participation, and consumer engagement. I've taken a, a part time position with the nation's largest supermarket chain and work in their number one alcohol selling store in the Bay Area as a beer, cider, wine, and spirits steward. In this role, I spend 15 to 20 hours or more a week talking to consumers as a former marketing research analyst i use this time like it's a mini focus group i ask these consumers all kinds of questions about uh, bottles versus cans ipas versus lagers cabernets versus blends uh, craft spirits versus the mega brands and their opinions on infused vodkas dry versus sweet ciders usage patterns and occasions and many other topics what I found is that people outside of our industry are so busy with their jobs, families, and commutes that many yearn for brand decision simplicity. When they ask me for my recommendation on a product, I give them some info on the brand and company. And I estimate that 95% of the time they buy my recommendation. So give these consumers a reason to buy your product off the confusing and overwhelming shelf or bar. Quench their black box with a creative brand antidote and a taste. This is how the battle will be won in 2020, one consumer at a time. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website at shinerunnercraftmarketing.com and contact me if you're in need of marketing sales, experiential event, or distribution help at shinerunner at comcast.net. Also, check out my book, Craft Beer Marketing and Distribution, Brace for Skewmageddon. Join us next time on the Brewing Network Shine Runner Show for episode number 24, where I hope to have an experiential event guru to speak live about uh, his experiences uh, in setting up special events for three or four decades.